Hebrews chapter 1 and beginning from verse 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits? sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Well, good morning, everybody. If you haven't met me, my name's Tony. If you're visiting, it's great to have you with us uh, on this New Year's Day, kicking off uh, 2023. What a great way to do it. Uh, to gather together to hear what God has to say to us uh, as we step into the next year. So we've had the Bible reading from Hebrews chapter 1. It be great for you to open your Bible to that passage and uh, have it there so you can follow along as we work our way through it. There's a lot there. I'll just give you a heads up now. We won't be covering everything that's there, um, but that we'll be spending our time in that section this morning. Why don't we pray before we start? Father, as, as, we, yeah, as we come to you this morning and as we come to your word, and one of the things that's clear even from this passage is that it's possible for us to not pay careful attention to what you say to us, to neglect this great salvation that you have won for us, to even drift away from it. Father, because of that, we want to come and ask this morning that by your Holy Spirit and the power of your word, you would not let that happen to any one of us this morning. But we would would be 
attentive in a supernatural way, helped by your spirit, to what you want to say to us this morning and that we would be joyfully submissive to it, knowing that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and it's life-giving as it tells us about your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I was listening to one of my favourite preachers. I don't have lots of preachers that I listen to, but one of the guys I do enjoy listening to, and probably more so just recently, is a guy by the name of Alistair Begg. Uh, I'm sure some of you have heard of him. If you haven't, uh, go looking for his uh, app. I think it's called Truth for Life. And uh, yeah, you, 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 won't, um, you won't be let down by Alistair. He's, uh, he's been at a church in the US called Parkside Bible Church for 38 years now. Uh, that's a long time in one church. Uh, I think he's 71. Um, so I, I was listening to a sermon of his the other day and I thought to myself, this guy has actually now, after all these years of ministry and studying the scriptures and proclaiming God's word and, and all of the, you know, the things that life probably threw at, has thrown at him, he's kind of at the peak, if you like, of his ministry. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. There's a bit of a plug for him. But anyway, I was listening to um, him do a Q&A the other day at a conference they hold at their church um, for pastors, it's about probably about 700 pastors in the room, and they were just able to fire questions at him, and they were asking all sorts of questions, and it's really insightful actually hearing the questions that are asked and then the way he responds to them. But um, one of the questions is kind of along the lines of how to, you know, over these many years, how does God keep you fresh uh, in your heart and in your ministry and in your following of Jesus? And so he's talking about it a little bit, and then he made this really funny comment. Well, I thought it was funny anyway, but. Um, he said, you know what, um, sometimes I, when I go away from, from, uh, from here to speak in other places, I have this bizarre experience where I think for a minute that God, maybe the only reason God made me a pastor was to make sure that I would actually go to church. <laughs> and like everybody in the room uh, chuckled, much like you, because it sounds really funny coming from him, right? He's been there for 38 years. And uh, so everyone's having a bit of a chuckle, but he said, uh, I'm not kidding. And um, he said, you've, you've got to know the sinfulness of your own heart, right? And he said, oh, I can be away on vacation and, you know, on a Sunday morning riding my bike at 7.30 in the morning. It's a pristine, beautiful day. And why, why, would I, why should I go to church? No, no one knows where I am. This is a beautiful day. Why don't I just do this? The point that he was making is the potential that we all have to drift away. The potential that we all have to drift away from church, usually that's the first thing that goes. Then from the truth of the gospel, as we're less and less in contact with it, and we're more and more challenged and encounter all sorts of other ideas and worldviews, and then sadly in some cases from Jesus himself. The hymn writer uh, knew too well about this and you'll be familiar with these words uh, from Come Thou Fount. Oh, to grace, he says, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, like a chain, like a rope bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. 
Now, if we're honest, if we're honest, we know this to be true, right? That there is in us this potential to drift, this uh, potential to wander, and there are good reasons for that. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that there are three enemies of the Christian life that we are uh, f- that we face that never ever, ever let up. What are they? Well, it identifies them as the world, the flesh, and the the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. These are enemies of those who want to live the Christian life. The world, that is the world in which we live, that is against God, that opposes Jesus and his kingdom constantly. The flesh, that is our flesh, sinful nature that even though we are born again and regenerate and redeemed and being gradually made new it's still there we've still got this remaining sin if you like and our, and it's, you know often you're very aware that it's alive and well as you're being tempted and tested in all sorts of directions and then of course there's the devil who Jesus says well his desire is to what to steal to kill and destroy so it's any wonder that we might feel a little bit shaky at times. Now God is able to give us the victory over all these enemies of the Christian life, but the reality is still drifting away is a very clear and present danger for us. And our passage today, and in fact the book of Hebrews as a whole, warns us of this potential. We'll get to it a little later, but in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And a verse or two later, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? You hear those warnings? They're quite strong, aren't they? Now, as we step into 2023 not knowing what it has for us, for you, for me. I've got no idea what tomorrow brings, and I'm pretty sure you don't, let alone the next week or the next month or so on. How do we avoid drifting from Jesus? And more than that, how do we make sure we grow in Jesus, that we draw near to Jesus rather than drift away from him? Well, I've already mentioned the the letter to the Hebrews is written to those who are facing a similar kind of challenge. They are most likely Jewish Christians, hence the name Hebrews. Don't have to be a rocket scientist to work that one out. Um, who were being persecuted. Jewish Christians who were being persecuted. They'd been scattered all over the place and they're being persecuted on two levels from two angles. Firstly, they've been persecuted by the Roman authorities because they will not say Caesar is Lord. They will only say that Jesus is Lord. So that's, that's their cop and flack from that. And not only that, they're being persecuted from their own people. The Jews, because they've decided to follow this apostate, false Messiah. So they're worse than a Gentile. So they're getting it from both angles. Following Jesus, for them, is hard. It's hard work. And the temptation is clearly there, as we see in this letter, for them to give up, to throw in the towel, to drift away from Jesus and stop following him. So the author, if you like, carefully ministers to them. Hebrews is understood as one sermon. So if you want to read a sermon, there you go, Hebrews chapter 1 through to 12 or 13. Uh, That's one sermon. Read it in one sitting and you'll probably uh, feel the weight of it and sense the benefit of it. But he cares for them by giving them powerful reasons not to drift away. Powerful reasons to draw near to Jesus rather than drifting from him. 
And there's lots of them, but we're just going to look at three from our passage this morning. Three powerful reasons for you and I to draw near to Jesus in 2023 and to guard against drifting away from him. And the first is this. God has spoken to us in the Lord Jesus. God has spoken to us in the Lord Jesus. Look at verse 1 and 2 of Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In these verses, the writer kind of maps out what we would call progressive revelation. That is the way that God progressively reveals his plans and purposes more and more over time. God has spoken at many times and in many ways in the past by his spokesmen, by his prophets. But now the writer says in these last days, God has spoken in an altogether new way. Not through a spokesman as beforehand, but now through his Son. Notice we have this kind of progressive revelation that is reaching its pinnacle, its climactic heights at this point in the person of Jesus. That's why many have described the uh, word of God that's come in the Son or the speaking of God that's come in the Son as his final word because we've reached the Everest, if you like, of God's revelation in history, in the person of Jesus. Now notice also that we're introduced to, and this is a bit of a side, we're introduced to this period called the last days. Did you see that there in verse 2? But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Notice what the writer thinks about these last days. He thinks... That he's in them, doesn't he? And his readers are already in the last days. So from here we can conclude that the last days are not this little period of time towards the end when Jesus, just about before Jesus is going to return. Maybe you've heard people say, oh, I think we're in the last days. Well, the writer of the Hebrews would say, yes, you are. <laughs> And we have been ever since the resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. But in these last days, God has, past tense, spoken to us by his Son. And according to God's word uh, here in Hebrews, God is going to do amazing things in this period called the last days. Which is what we find in Acts chapter 2, when Peter uh, gets up to preach uh, God's word to the crowd, Jesus has died and risen and ascended and poured out the promised Holy Spirit on his people and uh, a number of them are speaking in other languages, in other tongues, tongues uh, or languages known to, the, to the, the world around them but not known to them. So they are supernaturally being enabled to speak languages that others who are there from other parts of the world are like hearing the wonders of God in their own language. Now there's all sorts of you know, explanations going on at the time what this is. Some people say they're drunk. Peter gets up and says, no, this 
is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams. Notice again, Peter identifies the last days as this point in time. The death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus and the pouring out of the Spirit has ushered in the last days and will continue in the last days until Jesus comes back. So, friends, we're living in the last days. (laughs) God has promised to do amazing things in this period of time. And he has. He's promised to pour out his Holy Spirit in a completely new way like never before on his people because of the sufficient work of Jesus making us suitable vessels for his Holy Spirit. Could never be done before the death and resurrection of Jesus took place. We could never be cleansed enough to be able to receive the Spirit of God like we can now. And God has spoken to us in a completely new way, that is, by his Son. Friends, everything that Jesus does and says is the revelation of God to us. Everything Jesus does and says is God not leaving us in the dark, but speaking truth and life to us in Jesus. We live in an amazing time in God's purposes and plans for his world. God has spoken to us in the Lord Jesus. So pay careful attention to what we've heard from him. Second reason to keep us from drifting and to cause us to draw near to God is this. God has made himself known to us in the Lord Jesus. Not only has he spoken to us, he's made himself known to us, not just by his words but, and his works, but by who he actually is, which is what the author goes on to make very clear. Verse 2 and 3, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds, he upholds the universe by the word of God. Who does any of those things? Not any ordinary person, right? He's the heir of all things, the writer says. Not just some things, all things. Everything you can think of, everything that there is. This son through whom God speaks is the heir of it all. It's his. Just like a a firstborn son was the heir of all the father owned, Jesus is the heir of all God the father possesses. He's the heir of all things. And not surprisingly, because he's the one through whom God the Father created the world. He's the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So straight away we're we're kind of, if you like, picked up and taken back to the very beginning of time before there was anything. And we've got God the Father and we've got the Son through whom God is now speaking at the beginning of time. And the Spirit's there as well and they are creating all things together. 
He's the heir of all things. He's the one through whom the world uh, is created. He's the radiance of the glory of God. Uh, that's a mind-blowing statement. We could probably spend half an hour trying to unpack that. And even then, I think our heads would explode to try and grasp what's being said there. The glory of God. What on earth is that? Well, one way you can try and think about it, and I mean try, right? because we're not infinite, we're finite, so we're limited in our capacity. But let's have a crack. All right? Everything you can think about God, all his attributes, his mercy, his kindness, his love, his justice, his holiness, everything, just keep going, list them, list them, list them, list them, list them. Now wrap them all together in, in one bundle. You've got the glory of God. And what does it say about Jesus? He is the radiance of all of that. If you're up early enough, and you probably aren't very often, one of the first things you'll see at a sunrise is the rays. The radiance of the sun coming up over the horizon. You can probably see it the other way around too, can you? In reverse, at sunset, I don't know. It's kind of the idea here. The rays are emanating from the sun. Here is all that God is, all his glory is emanating through Jesus. You want to know what God is like. If you think, oh, I wish I could know what God is like. I wish I could see God. I wish I could discover more about God. Well, read the scriptures about Jesus. Read the Gospels. And make sure you take note of the answer to that question, what is God like? And if that wasn't enough, he is the exact imprint of his nature. There has this idea from back in the day of uh, a signet ring with a wax kind of um, substance where they would stamp, put the, heat the wax up, put the signet ring in the wax and then stamp it on something and you would have the exact imprint of the signet ring on whatever you stamped. Here's the exact imprint of what? His nature. The nature of God, who God is. Again, if you want to see God, look at Jesus. And then if that wasn't enough, he upholds the universe by his powerful word. Oh dear. Let's give up again in getting our head around that. Right? No, let's not give up. Have a try. He upholds the universe by his word, his powerful word. Not only does he create it, but as you sit here today, this minute, second by second, he is sustaining it. God has made himself known, friends, to us. He's not a mystery that you cannot find. He's not hiding somewhere, hope, you know, kind of saying, oh, well, maybe if they try hard enough, they'll find me. No, in the person of Jesus, he has made himself known to his world in order that you might come to him, in order that you might know him. So you have to, you have to come to that conclusion, don't you? That if God has done this, if God, is, if God has speaking, spoken to us in this kind of climactic way through his son, and if he's made himself known to us, 
in his son, then he's, he must be reaching out to us, right? He must be uh, calling us to himself. He's not just doing it for fun. He's doing it for his glory, but he's doing it for your good and my good, that we might repent and believe and come near and not drift off. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's great for you. But what about what I've done? You don't know what I'm like, where I've been, what I struggle with. Okay for you. You don't know the shame I feel about things. And surely God wouldn't be this God, the God this great wouldn't be interested in me, would he? How, how could I ever come near to a God like that? Well, that's precisely why what the writer of the Hebrews says next is so wonderful. We've been thinking about his greatness and his glory, right? And just how awesome Jesus is. But notice what it goes on to say. Verse 3 again, He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Okay, right? What's next? After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let me say that again. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Friends, what will encourage us to draw near and not to drift away. God has made full atonement for us in the Lord Jesus. Do you see that? God has made full atonement for us. The, 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 he, those who received this letter knew very well what was being said here. They knew that there was a whole process that you had to go through in the Old Testament system, the tabernacle and the sacrifice and all the rest of it and certain offerings for your purification. And even then they, also, they still knew that the blood of bulls and goats never take away sin. So it was kind of it was what God had called us to do so that we could come at least this close to him. But this Jesus has made purification for sins. They... Uh, the Old Testament readers understood that sin, in, among many things, defiles us. It corrupts us. Our sins soil our hearts, if you like. They make us spiritually unclean before a holy God. And because of our sins, we often feel shame before God and would find ourselves not drawing near to God, but maybe hiding from God, staying away from God, not feeling in any way able to draw near to God, which makes perfect sense. That's what sin does. It fills us with shame and it separates us from God. So after all we have done, and I'm just assuming that you're not that much different to me, how can sinners like us draw near to God? Well, because he has made purification for sins. 
the one who is the radiance of the glory of God, has made purifications for sins. Hebrews picks this up a little later in Hebrews chapter 12, sorry, 10. That's what he said, what the writer says there. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, that being the offering up of himself, is that language again, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for him until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. And look at verse 14. For by a single offering, in contrast to the priests who had to keep offering, offering, offering all the time, all the time, daily, you know, kind of just keep doing it because there's more sin and these ones only cover the last lot. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified or those who are being purified, those who are being made holy. God has provided full atonement for us in the Lord Jesus. And what's really clear, I don't know whether you notice, is he didn't do a half job. He didn't do a half job. How do we know that? Well, because in in chapter 1, verse 3, and in chapter 10, verse 12, we have this same idea that after he made the sacrifice for sins, he did what? He sat down at the right hand of God, which tells us something about what we call the finished work of Jesus. He sat down. which points to the fact that he finished the work he had come to do. That's what you do, right? When you finish the job, you probably sit down. It's done. You've finished. But don't just notice that. Notice where he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of God. Or as chapter 1 says, the right hand of the majesty on high. He sat down at the very throne of God. Which is the very place you and I might be tempted because of our sin to hide away from. It's the very place where because of our sins we may think it's impossible to draw near to. And it would be if he wasn't there. But he is. And he's finished the work. And he stands ready to receive all who will come near to God through him. That's why it says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near. Let us not drift away. No, no, let us draw near. Let us come close to God. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. What will cause you to draw near to God in 2023 and not to drift away? Well, when this dawns on you deeply and personally, that God has provided full atonement for you, that he has spoken to you in the Lord Jesus, that he's made himself known to you in the Lord Jesus, and he's made purification for sins 
for you through Christ. So, how does that call us? How does God call us to respond to what we've seen this morning so far? What are we to do in light of 2023? We're not just to hear the word of God, right? James says, don't be hearers only, but be doers of God's word. So what can we do? What what are some things we can do kind of going forward into today and tomorrow and the next day and the weeks ahead and the months ahead and the year ahead? Well, I want to talk about two things that we need to do in light of this passage. Firstly, I want to encourage us to draw near with the angels and worship Jesus joyfully. Chapter 1, you'll notice there's a bunch of Old Testament quotes there, and if you weren't already convinced about Jesus being God, well, those are kind of extra things to convince you. And one of them is the one you find in verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn, that is Jesus, into the world, he says what? Let all the angels of God worship him. Ah, okay, I thought you were supposed to only worship God alone. Let all the angels of God worship him. That's what they're doing. And I want to say, hey, let's join them. Let's join with the angels and worship Jesus joyfully. Why? Because you can. Because you can. Because of what he's done. We come to a throne of grace and to a high priest. So draw near because you can and do it often. Do it daily. Do it with other people in maybe growth groups or D groups. Do it on Sundays when we gather like this. Why are we here? We're here to draw near to our God through Jesus together through our great high priest who has done everything we need and removed every obstacle to us being close to God. What an awesome thing that is. Draw near because you can draw near with grateful joy. He hasn't left us in the dark. And he hasn't left us in our sins and in our shame. So thank him. Be grateful. Let that joy kind of bubble up a little bit as you take hold of these realities by faith. Not because you're particularly good at anything, but because he is good at everything. And draw near in serving him in 2023. The temptation of our world, as we know full well, is to constantly live to serve ourselves. To live for the proud of others, to live for our desires and our lusts. But that's not the life of someone who's paying careful attention to what we have heard. That's not the life of someone who's not neglecting the great salvation they have in Jesus. No, we see Jesus at the right hand of the majesty on high and so our joy is to serve him. Our gracious and glorious king. So draw near with the angels and worship Jesus joyfully and finally, and probably most challenging really, draw near taking this great salvation we have in Jesus seriously. Seriously, chapter 2, verse 1 
to 4. Therefore, we must, we must, in light of what chapter 1 has said, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. Hear the warning, but hear the exhortation. Pay closer attention to what we've heard. We're to take our salvation seriously, friends, together with others. We're not to be casual about it. We're not to be flippant about it or half-hearted about it. We're to pay careful attention to it because it's so great and so good. The picture here is of continual effort or response to what God has done in Jesus. Not just drifting along, not just floating along, but listening carefully and responding appropriately. With God's help, of course, by his spirit, with the encouragement of other believers, prayerfully, all of those things, but paying careful attention. The writer makes it clear, if we don't do this, if we neglect it, how, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation that God has won for us in Jesus. He, he contrasts, notice in verse 2, what happened at Sinai, that the, the message was declared by angels back there and it was proved to be reliable and those who took it lightly and neglected it, there was just retribution for their transgression and their disobedience. It was serious. And in light of that, the writer then says, well, you know, if, if that happened back then, then we're at this point in God's progressive revelation. We're at the peak now of what he was doing in Jesus. How should we escape if we neglect it? Pay careful attention to it. What's the opposite of neglect? Does anyone know? I looked it up on Google, so it must be, I must know. It's probably lots of things, but this is what I came up with. Cherish. The opposite of neglecting something is cherishing something. So flip it. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Well, we won't. So make sure you cherish it. Cherish it. Pay close attention to it. Take it seriously. Grab hold of it wholeheartedly by faith. And grow in it as the year unfolds. So what will you do in 2023? Will you draw near to God? Or will you drift from him? The scriptures only give us those two options, by the way. There's not a middle one. You go, ah, well, I'm not going to drift, but I'm not going to... No, no. Either you're drawing near or you're drifting. Either you're paying close attention or you're neglecting. What will you do in 2023? God has given us all we need, friends, to draw near to him. He's given us all we need to know him, all we need to enjoy him. He has powerfully spoken to us in the Lord Jesus. He has wonderfully made himself known to us in the Lord Jesus and he has mercifully made full atonement for us in the Lord Jesus. So, 
What does Hebrews say that was read to us by Justin earlier and this wasn't planned? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, that is, into the very presence of God, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, since it's a throne of grace and we've got this priest who's done everything for us, let's do what? Let's draw near. Let's draw near. Let's hold fast, verse 23. And let's consider how we can stir each other up to do the same. Amen.